0: Check this out from today's edition of Real with Daniel Fusco. He's saying, I would rather speak five words with understanding that I may teach other than 10,000 words in a tongue. So it's saying that God wants us in Proverbs 2, 1 to 9, that God wants us to desire wisdom, to desire understanding, to walk in that wisdom. And when we seek after it, God wants to give it to us. So God wants the local church to be a place where uninformed people or non-believers come and where they get to meet with God. Today, I want to look at a passage of Scripture that really focuses in on what I'm calling spirit inspired words, but really the focus is going to be on uh, prophecy and on the gift of tongues. And so, uh, let's get right into it. I want you to open up your Bibles to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. As we look at these Spirit-inspired words. Now, I do want to make this case. As you're finding your way to 1 Corinthians 14... Paul in this section is really working with the church in Corinth because the church in Corinth was a spiritually vibrant church but there's all sorts of issues going on in the midst of such spiritual vibrancy and so look at what it says in verse 1 of 1 Corinthians 14 it says pursue love and desire spiritual gifts but especially that you may prophesy For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the Spirit he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. He who speaks in tongues edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. So really what we learn first and foremost here is that a simple concept, and I I think it's important because I think people don't really understand this, is that tongues are for God and prophecy is for people. Tongues are for God and prophecy is for people. So as it relates to the gifts of the Spirit in the context of the local assembly, it says that we should pursue peace, because the greatest, or we should pursue love, because the greatest of these is love, and we should desire spiritual gifts, but especially that we may prophesy. So really what Paul is saying now is he's making a difference, a distinction between the gift of tongues and the gift of prophecy, and really what he's saying is that, Prophecy is better in the local church because prophecy is for people. Prophecy is a way to build up people. And tongues, although they are important, they edify the individual who shares in a tongue, but it doesn't edify the people. And so in the context of the local assembly, what God is really looking for is for the people to be built up. And prophecy is better at that than tongues. Look at what it says. For he who speaks in a tongue... Does not speak to men, but he speaks to God. Verse two, for no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. So, really, this—the idea here for 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 the use of tongues here—and obviously, there's lots of the scriptures about it. You think of Acts chapter two, people were speaking, and then everybody was hearing it in their own language. Here, it would seem like what they would call the prayer language of the spirit or the angelic language, where they're there in Corinth, someone is speaking in this supernatural gift of tongues but people don't understand them so the person who is speaking he's praising God or, or she's praising God and they are being built up as they're exercising that gift but without the interpretation nobody understands what's going on that's why notice it says in this passage a little bit later he says he says I wish verse 5 that all of you spoke with tongues but even more that you prophesize for he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues unless indeed he interprets that the whole church may be edified. Now you see the next layer, that the gift of tongues becomes edifying like prophecy within the local church when there's someone to interpret it, because instead of one person being edified, God's goal is that all of the people be edified. But the reason prophecy is being preferred here by Paul is verse 3, but he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. So edification, exhortation, and comfort. That's what God wants the church to be. It's a place where you get edified, you get built up. It's a place where you get exhorted, where you get pushed forward, where where, where the word of God and the truth about God pushes it forward. And because of who Jesus is and what he's done, we have comfort because we're at peace with God and we have the peace of God. See, that's what God wants church to be. God doesn't want church to be a political rally. God doesn't want church to be a way to affirm our sinfulness. It's exhortation, it's edification. And it's comfort all because of who Jesus is. So, if you ever want to understand, okay, so prophecies and tongues, what should we do? Tongues are for God, prophecy is for people. And tongues become for people when there's interpretation so that people can join in and be edified with the praising of God. One uh, commentator said it this way that prophecy makes believers of unbelievers, the speaking in tongues leaves the unbeliever to themselves. So tongues are for God, prophecy is for people. Now, he keeps going. Look at what happens next. Picking up in verse 6, where it says, But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you unless I speak to you either by revelation, by knowledge, by prophesying, or by teaching? Verse 7, even things without life, whether flute or harp, when they make a sound unless they make a distinction in the sounds how will it be known what is piped or played for if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound who will prepare for battle so likewise you enter unless you utter by the tongue words easy to understand how will it be known what is spoken for you will be speaking into the air there are it may be so many kinds of languages in the world and none of them is without significance Therefore, if I do not know the meaning of the language, I shall be a foreigner to him who speaks, and he who speaks will be a foreigner to me. Even so you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. Therefore, let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. Verse 14. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is the conclusion then? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will also pray with understanding. I will sing with the Spirit, but I will also sing with the understanding. Otherwise, if you bless with the Spirit, how will he who occupies the place of the uninformed say, Amen, at, the, at your giving of thanks, since he does not understand what you say? For you indeed give thanks well, but the other is not edified. I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. Yet in the church, I would rather speak five words with understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. So, really, what this teaches us about specifically the gift of tongues is simply that understanding and interpretation must be sought. That if tongues are going to function within the life of the local church, we want to have understanding and interpretation. And really what Paul does in this section is he says, listen, the only way somebody is benefited or edified by the gift of tongues is when there is an understanding associated with it. And, and Paul uses a lot of different examples, like music, if there is an uncertain sound or an indistinct sound. He uses the idea of the trumpets, the shofars that were used to call people for battle. That if the, it was a very specific sound that was made so people knew what it was for. But if, if it's not clear, how will anybody know? And really what he's saying is that tongues are amazing, and they edify the believer, but for the person who does not understand, or if there's not interpretation present, it literally leaves people still at a distance from one another. And really what Paul is saying is that as amazing as tongues are, if it is not interpreted, or if it doesn't come with understanding, then for people who are not in the know they're going to feel like outsiders. They're going to feel like, hey, this isn't for me. I don't belong here. And, and those are not the things that God wants the local church to feel like. And I think what's really fascinating about all of this is that Paul, as he's breaking everything down, as he's boiling everything down, he ends up saying, listen, he's saying, I would rather speak five words with understanding that I may teach other than 10,000 words in a tongue. And, and he, earlier he says, I, I pray that you would speak with tongues as much as I do. You know? He's like, I speak, I speak with more, I have, I have more prayer language than you all do, but I would rather in the assembly of people speak five words that people can understand than thousands. And, and really what this boils down to for us, if, we're, if we just want to like, how do we bring this down to real practical, is what God is really concerned with us is that we're not self-centered. That we're not selfish. That it's not like, this is what I want to do and so that I do it. But it's like, no, how does everybody get blessed? So he's not saying that tongues are not as good as prophecy. He's saying that without understanding and interpretation, tongues don't have the ability to edify everybody the way the gift of prophecy does. And what God really wants to do for all of us is actually divorce us from our obsession with ourselves so that is everything within the church is not about us. Every once in a while, we run into a situation where somebody with the spiritual gifts, is just all about them. And it's like, well, hold on. If it's all about love, then it's not about you. It's about Jesus. And it's not about you doing what you want to do. It's about saying, hey, listen, I'm going to esteem others higher than myself. In a lot of ways, it's what we've also learned as we've gone through a global pandemic and a public health crisis is that people really struggle with doing things that they don't want to do for other people. And as I keep seeing, I see it in my own life. And I'm like, here it is again. It's, I'm selfish. And really what Paul is saying here is that in the context of the local church, it's not about selfishness. It's about selflessness. It's about how do we build up the most people? And of course, he wants that understanding and that interpretation to be there. And it reminds you, of course, of Proverbs chapter two, verses one to nine, this idea of with understanding and interpretation where it says, my son, this is Proverbs two. It says, my son, if you receive my words and you treasure my commands within you so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding, yes, if you cry out for discernment, you lift up your voice for understanding. If you seek her "...as silver, and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord, and you will find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk uprightly. He guards the path of justice, and he preserves the way of his saints." then you will understand righteousness and justice, equity, and every good path. So it's saying that God wants us, in Proverbs 2, 1 and 9, that God wants us to desire wisdom, to desire understanding, to walk in that wisdom. And when we seek after it, God wants to give it to us. So as it relates to the the gift of tongues and how it should function in the local church, God is saying, look, I want you to function in understanding. I I want you to make sure that everyone can be built up in the process. Now, as we continue down, 1 Corinthians 14, picking up in verse 20, the Apostle Paul says this. He says, Brethren, do not be children in understanding, however in malice be babes, but in understanding be mature. In the law it is written, with men of other tongues and other lips, I will speak to this people, and yet for all that they will not hear me, says the Lord. Therefore, tongues are for a sign. Not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. But prophesy is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. Therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place and all speak with tongues and there comes in those who are uninformed or unbelievers, will they not say that you are out of your mind? But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, he is convinced by all and is convicted by all. And thus, the secrets of his hearts are revealed. And so, falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. So, so what really what we learn here now is that God wants us to let the signs do the work. God wants us to let the signs do the work. He's saying, little children... Be children, don't be children in understanding. Don't be immature as it relates to understanding. In malice, be babes. Be, have no interactions with malice, but with understanding we want to be mature. So remember we said interpretation and understanding must be sought. And now he's saying, look, grow up in understanding. The people of God should be wise in understanding. And then he uses a quotation from Isaiah chapter 28 verses 11 and 12. Where it says, with men of other tongues and other lips, I will speak to this people, and yet for all that they will not hear me. And really it's a prophecy of the Gentiles, the people of other tongues and other lips from the Jewish people, coming and, and, and talking about Jesus to the Jewish people who have rejected Jesus as the Messiah. Right? But he says, therefore, tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. But prophecy is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. And so really what's going on here is he's he's saying in effect that, that even though tongues does not edify everybody, it is a sign to the unbeliever. Whereas prophecy is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. And so again, because because prophecy is for people and tongues are for God. When an, a non-believer sees someone speaking in tongues, they're like, what is going on right now? And that's why the Apostle Paul says, therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place and all speak with tongues, and there comes in those who are uninformed and unbelievers, will they not say that you're out of your mind? And, and, and li- literally, I've been to churches like that, where, where someone comes on in, everyone's speaking in tongues, and people are like, what is going on? right? Because they don't understand what's going on. And it, and it seems like they're crazy. They're speaking unintelligibly. There's all these things going on. And, and, and it is a sign to them, but they don't understand what's going on. But notice, but if all prophecy, and an unbeliever, an uninformed person comes on in, he is convinced by all, and he is convicted by all, and thus the secrets of his hearts are revealed. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. So God wants the local church to be a place where uninformed people or non-believers come and where they get to meet with God. And in a lot of ways, I think that's why Crossroads is such a unique place. Because for a lot of local churches, and again, it's it's not my responsibility. I pray for all churches. For a lot of churches, it's really just about believers wanting to use all the gifts that they have. Right? And so it, there's never a thought of what is a non-believer going to think when they walk in the door. It's just, I want to walk in these gifts. And a lot of times people get upset. They're like, well, I want to do this thing. It's like, well, actually, it's not about you. It's about Jesus. And you want to do that. Like, what's going to happen if a non-believer walks in? And, and a lot of times believers forget that part of our job is to do the work of evangelism and make more disciples. So again, God wants these Spirit-inspired words, prophecy, and tongues to, to be a sign. And we need to let the sign do the works that God wants them to do. You know, in effect, Christian prophecy on the unbelievers, it's, it's threefold. They're, they're convicted of their sin. They'll be called to take account of those sins and examine their condition. And then they will have their sinful hearts and past laid open to inspection and ultimately be led right to Jesus which is what God wants. Now, look at what happens next in verse 26. It says, how is it then, brethren, when you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. If anyone speaks in tongue, let there be two or at the most three, each in turn, and let one interpret. But if there is no interpreter, let him keep silent in church, and let him speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak, and let the others judge. For if anything is revealed to another who sits by, let the first keep silent. For you can all prophesy one by one, that all may learn, and all may be encouraged. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets, for God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. So really, to bring all this to a close, what the Apostle Paul is really advocating with these Spirit-inspired words of tongues and prophecy is that edification is key. Building up is key. God's main focus in the gifts of the Spirit is to build people up. And, And really what you have here is the Apostle Paul needs to unpack for the church in Corinth, what does it mean to be spirit filled in a way that isn't self centered, but be spirit filled in a way that builds everybody up? Notice what he says. Verse 26. How is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Now, don't miss, that's a great compliment. He's like, man, like, how is it that everybody's got a spiritual gift to share when you guys get together? Now, this wasn't like a a, a, a church in a building like Crossroads. I mean, people come to, to the Crossroads campus like, man, this is huge. I mean, like, this is a house church. So there's people in a house, a small, we would call it a community group or a small group. And he's like, when everybody gets together in this church in Corinth, everybody's got a spiritual gift to share. And that's a kind of an awesome thing. But the problem is, notice, let all things be done for edification. How do we do that? First, you take turns. This is stuff we learned in kindergarten, right? You take turns. If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two, or at the most three, each in turn, and let one interpret. And if there is no interpreter, let him keep silent in church, and let him speak to himself and to God. So so notice... Really, Paul's exhortation is for everyone to be edified, there needs to be some sort of order. And he's like, okay, listen, take turns. Not too many, one at a time, and with interpretation. But if there's not interpretation, then let them keep silent. You can still speak your tongues to God, but it's not for the assembly. Where there's prophecy, you take turns. Right? And as you take turns, then you also seek confirmation. I think this is important as it relates to the gifts of the Spirit. We should seek confirmation for the truthfulness of it. Because sometimes people use the gift of prophecy, but it's actually not from the Lord. It's from the devil. It's from the flesh. You have to realize that one of the ways Satan tries to obscure the glory of Jesus in the midst of the spiritual gifts is by people using the gifts in ways that God doesn't want them to people speaking out of turn. And so you don't just accept everything. One of the things that I notice sometimes is when someone gets a prophetic word, they want to hold that prophetic word higher than the word of God, which I always think is a problem. I'm always like, no, no, we have God's word. And then when people give a prophetic word, then we say, well, Lord, does it line up with your word? Do the godly people who I know are prophetic people, do they confirm this word as it relates to me? Right? And it keeps us out of a lot of trouble if we're willing to simply seek the confirmation. So I always tell people when someone gives me a prophetic word, and I get lots of them, I always write them down because I, I want to I have a, a written copy of it so I don't you know, change it on time and I don't misunderstand it. right. But I, I receive the word, but I never take that word as the word of God. That's not coming from Sinai. Then I, I say, okay, how does this line up with the word of God? And then there are people who I check with to seek confirmation. But why, why do I do it that way? Because what's God's goal? His goal is edification. And edification can't happen if we're outside of the will of God. Edification can't happen if someone's got an agenda putting Jesus in the center of their agenda to try and force you to do what they want you to do. Right? And so the key is edification. Of course, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11 says, Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another just as you are also doing. Comfort, and, and, and I wanted to land this message there on this idea of edification because as it relates to our words, that's what God ultimately wants. God's word builds us up, edifies us, comforts us, and God wants our words to do the exact same thing, whether it's just the conversations that we're having or these Spirit-inspired words that we receive in the context of the local church, be them prophecy or the gift of Tongues. God's goal is always absolutely the same, that we edify one another. And what I want to encourage you today is I want to encourage you to make edifying other people with your words the goal of your life. Saying, Lord, I'm going to honor you by edifying the people around me. And that simplest way to edify people is to point them to Jesus. And of course, Jesus, this is what he wants. He's, in John 10, 10, it says, the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they might have life and that they might have life more abundantly. So as we let our words be inspired by the Spirit and as we seek to build people up with our words, we are not only living the abundant life, but we get to promote the abundant life and the life of other people because as our text says, for God is not the author of confusion, but he's the author of peace.